welcome and thank you for tuning in to the Grace Assembly of God Sermon Podcast. Grace exists to help people discover a life of purpose in Jesus Christ through discipleship and serving one another. If you would like additional information, visit us online at www.graceofbelair.com. Again, thank you for joining us and enjoy this week's message. Today we're going to be the topic of the message is the door of opportunity, and you can find in your uh, bulletin that you were handed on your way in the notes that are in there, and you can also write some things down, maybe the, what the Lord's speaking to you. Also on our Bible, on the YouVersion Bible app, you can just click on that, and there's an option there that says more. Just click on more, and then events, and then you'll see our church there. You just click on our church, and then it'll, that'll have all the scriptures and the points there this morning, and you can add some things in that maybe the Lord's speaking to you today. And uh, so we're going to jump right into this. This is on uh, the door of opportunity. Mark chapter 2 is where we're going to be at, verses 1 through 12. And you can turn there or you can just look on the screen, I guess, because it'll be up there. But either way works. And uh, so I hope, you know, this morning what our goal is, is for us to, uh, to know that we need community or we will miss out on opportunities. And, you know, that's our goal today is to take advantage of opportunities that God gives us in this life and, and, you know, I don't know about opportunities that you have been presented in your life. It could be uh, job-related, school-related, uh, you know, financially-related investments that you had to make and things like that where it becomes opportunities. And, you know, especially, you know, as a young kid, you know, you have so many dreams and things that you want to do, right? And, you know, for me, when I was 16, um, you know, I, I loved to play sports. And so there was often opportunities for me to do that as well as, you know, there, there were times where uh, you may be a part of a losing team. Um, and so when I played in high school, I played basketball and baseball. My basketball team typically won a lot of games. My baseball team, however, lost very many of those games. And so as a person who had played for a few years, I thought, you know, I'm just not going to put myself through that again, you know, to, to not, I was going to elect not to play baseball, say no to that opportunity. And, you know, my parents said, well, you got two options. Maybe parents will amen these, amen these options. You can either play baseball or you can get a job. Uh-huh. And so I had to make a decision that I had to go get a job. And so I got a job. I found out the public library was hiring. So I was like, hey, I'll just go there. That sounds like a good opportunity. I'll make some money. And uh, so I go through all that process, interviews, and I eventually got hired. And I, you know, went my first day, I worked, and that was my first day on the job, and that was my last day on the job. So God bless librarians. I'm not saying I'm just a kid that was just, just clueless on responsibility at the time and didn't really care. And uh, God has saved me and forgiven me and helped me ever since then. So then I decided to just go ahead and play baseball, and we actually had a, a decent year. But, uh, but yeah, there was just opportunities that obviously present itself uh, that we just have to take advantage of. And sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. But um, this, this scripture we're going to be talking about today is in Mark's gospel. What I love uh, about this is that this is a testimony. Mark is writing this down, and Peter, the disciple uh, of Jesus, is giving him this information, things that he saw things that he observed, and these are kind of the, the this particular passage is a, uh, a really challenging passage, and it, embrace, it talks about the importance of community. It talks about embracing people who are going through struggles in their life. How do we do that as people? And then how 
how do we have people in our lives that can hold us up when we feel like we can't go on anymore? And, you know, this is what this whole story is going to be talking about today. And so there are two points I just want to mention today that we're going to talk about, and we'll read the, the message, uh, the passage here, that the door of opportunity can be found through other people who have faith. And so let's begin to read this in John or Mark's Gospel, chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. It says, A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached a word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was laying on, lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. And so this is uh, what I want to focus on is, is, you know, we first see the crowd. You know, this is, if you're at a church, if you're involved in a church, this is a great ministry day, right? You're, you're, not, you're not only packed out the house, you also packed out the overflow seating. I mean, this is like an amazing ministry day. And what I love about Jesus and what's interesting about Jesus is that Jesus wasn't necessarily concerned about the crowd. He was more concerned about how many people were engaged with him. How many people were going to follow? That's what Jesus tells us to do. Go and therefore make disciples of all nations. He's interested in people following Jesus. And Jesus would present these things and say certain things that would rather uh, freak out the disciples because it would, you would see the, the crowd quickly disperse afterward, right? Jesus would make statements like, hey, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you can't be my disciple. And everybody's like, uh, Jesus, I like the chicken nuggets I like the filet of fish you know, all that stuff that you've given us, but this whole idea of cannibalism, I'm not really sure I like that idea. And so they, were, they would leave, and they totally misinterpreted what Jesus was saying to them. And so the disciples, I'm sure, are like, Jesus, you've got to phrase that better. Like, you, you don't understand. Did you see all the people leave after you said that? And, and Jesus would, you know, make some, some statements like that. Unless, you know, if you, if you consider your family to be more important than me, then you can't be my disciple. Jesus, stop saying things like that because people are not going to understand and look they're dispersing we had we had a packed house and overflowed seating now we're just begging people to show up and so it's become this interesting way of how Jesus would interact with crowds because he's more interested in us being engaged with them and following him so that we can become the disciple he has called us to be in order to live out the purpose he has called us to live so there are so many things that we have to be careful of. Just because the crowd may be doing it doesn't mean it's the right thing to do, right? This is an important thing to remind ourselves. But what I really want to focus on in this point is really the four men who are here. These are men who are carrying this man, and verses 3 through 4, um, on this mat who is paralyzed. Their, their buddy can't, can't uh, you know, walk, and so they're carrying him, trying to get him into the house. They can't. There's, the crowd's too big. And, and so they're trying to figure a way. I love the fact that these guys did not turn away just because it got a little inconvenient. It just, well, there's a crowd. It, and this is what 99.99% of people will do. Well, I guess it's just not his day to be healed. Let's go home. It's just not his day. You know, and, but what I love about it, they said, just because that door is closed, we're going to open another door. And it's going to be through the roof. It's going to be rather interesting how they open that roof. And I think it's even more interesting if you read Matthew's gospel about this story, similar story. And in Luke's gospel, 
You know, they, they kind of they mention the same story. They don't really get into the details about digging in the roof. And, uh, you know, what is interesting about Mark's gospel is, again, Peter is telling Mark what is going on. And remember, Peter's from Capernaum. So uh, they believe, a lot of scholars believe, this is Peter's house. So if anybody would know the damage to your house or to his house, it would be Peter. He said, they dug through that roof. They were digging and digging and digging, and then they lowered him through. And Peter's thinking, how much is that going to cost me? Like, you know, it's just, this is unbelievable. Like, what is going on? And so, you know, for, for, for all of this particular situation, you have these four guys who are believing God to do something miraculous. You know, because it's good to have people in your life that can speak into your life who believe God, especially when you want to quit. Because there will be moments, if you have not been there already, there will be moments in your life following the Lord Jesus where you'll, you'll be at a crossroads and you'll eventually want to quit. And it's a good thing that when you are in community, the way God has identified community, not the way we identify community, it is the way God identifies community. And when we do it according to God's way, when we're at those crossroads, when we want to give up, we can't because there's people literally carrying us through it. They're literally carrying us through. And they said, I understand the door is closing, but I am not going to walk back now and carry you back because maybe they thought he was too heavy. I don't know. They're not walking back. They're saying, just because that door is closed, I don't care. We're going to make a door. We're going to find a way. And sometimes, you know what? God's greatest miracles and opportunities are the ones everybody else ignores. God's greatest miracles, his greatest opportunities are the ones people ignore. 99% of us ignore the one person who would identify it and say, there's an opportunity there is the one that will see the miracle. And this is such an amazing thing that these guys are doing. And I think it's important to ask ourselves this question. Who are the four people in your life that are speaking into your life? Do you have those people speaking into your life? And I'm talking about people of faith, Not, not people who don't believe because it's hard for them to be people of faith if they don't believe and God who gives them the faith. It's hard, to, it's hard for somebody who, you know, isn't following the Lord, to, and you approach them and say, man, can you pray for me over this situation? Well, they don't believe in God, so why in the world would they pray to a God they don't believe in? Like, it doesn't make sense. So the question, here's, here's, and follow me on this, we have to get these relationships we have with people in order, God's order, because it's very important that we understand who is an assignment and who is one of my four friends, for example, here? Because somebody who isn't following the Lord, we get it flipped and we say, well, they're my, my best friend or they're, they're, they're my boyfriend or girlfriend. Listen, no, they are in an assignment first. Because what good would it do for you to be buddy-buddy with them and they don't come to know Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior? They leave this world and you know exactly where they're going. They're not going to heaven. And what happens a lot of times is because we lose When we do that, when we get things out of order, we lose the urgency. We lose the urgency because, well, we're treating them differently than the way God wants to treat that situation. We don't, it's a, when it's an assignment at work, when it's assignment at school, how many know there's a deadline? There's an urgency there, is there not? Why? Because it's an assignment. If you don't do it, you're probably going to have another job or you may not have a job anymore, or you will be reassigned somewhere else. 
And so it's, it's such an important thing to re, be reminded that who's in assignment and who are the people speaking into my life. Because hopefully it is people of faith speaking into your life, the ones you are closest to, not necessarily people who need to be in assignment. You need to witness to them. You need to invite them to church. There needs to be an urgency there. And you may not like the word assignment, mission. I don't care what you call it. Call it something else. I don't care what you want to call it. I'm just simply suggesting to you, Jesus will even do this. Why do you think Jesus forgave him first and healing second? Because Jesus saw a bigger issue. He says, sir, your issue, the bigger issue isn't your healing. The bigger issue is your salvation. That was the issue. And we need to, we need to identify who are the voices speaking to my life. And I'm not saying people that aren't, that aren't Christians, that are not following the Lord. I don't th- I'm not saying they're bad people. I'm not saying they can't get good advice. But it's a little hard for them to believe God to do the impossible when they don't believe in God in the first place. Is, is everybody with me? It's very difficult for that to happen. They can only take you so far. And that's the important thing to, to look at when we look at this. Do we have people in our life that are carrying the burdens that we have? And it's good to have those people. You know why a lot of people don't enter into this godly community as far as sharing one another, sharing with one another burdens, things that are going on in their life? because it requires faith, and faith means you have to be vulnerable. That's what a lot of people do. This is what even men struggle with. Well, I can't because I'm the, the man of the house. You know, I'm the, maybe you're, you're, you're a man or a woman here, and you're like, I can't because I'm a boss. I'm a leader. I'm a supervisor. If I give that impression and I'm vulnerable, people are going to look at me different. People aren't going to treat me the same way. Well, listen, if people are treating you differently, then maybe those four people need to be reassigned and you need to find some people who will understand and who will pray for you and who will lift up those situations that you're going through. Maybe you need to reassign who are those people speaking in your life because if they can't pray for the situations you're going through, then maybe they're an assignment. Maybe they're not necessarily the the voice you need to be listening to. A voice that will help you carry you through it is someone you need to be listening to. Someone who, you know, at times where you feel like giving up, you feel like quitting, those people are there to carry you through and say, we've come too far to turn back now. We're going to overcome this together. And this is why it's such an important thing for us to, to have that community. And I, this is what, um, you know, I want us to know. Because a lot of times we go through life, and sometimes you're just thinking, I just don't have any burdens. I'm good. Like, I'm fine. Nothing's a big deal. I don't need any of this. Listen, if you don't have any burdens, if you're not carrying anything that's, that's hard to overcome situations in your life, maybe it's because the devil does not think you're a threat right now. And you need to start acting out in faith again. And I know when I go through a lot of things, when I go through issues in my life, and when I know there are a lot of battles going on inside of me and outwardly maybe, I know that I'm on to something because the enemy would not be busy if God wasn't up to something. This is how we identify. This is why Paul says, you know, in, in, in one of the scriptures, he talks about, he says, Man, I'm going to this place because of the resistance that is there. <laughs> Most people will say, yeah, right. I'm not going where there's resistance. I'm walking away. No, because he knows if the enemy, if the enemy is so busy trying to discourage him from doing something, he knows God is up to something because the enemy's busy. This is how we identify God is on the move because there's resistance. There's things that are happening. And I'm not saying that these, that the people you have in your life that you want, that need to speak into your life, I'm not saying you just 
bleed on them and you just say, woe is me, everything in my life just falling apart, I don't, I don't, nothing is going to go right, I, I can't do anything right. Listen, that's not, that's not a godly community, that's not a, a good thing, that's more of whining than you sharing your burdens, okay? So let's, let's be very cautious about what that looks like. We need to be able to share and say, listen, I'm struggling with this, I'm struggling with that, can you pray and just help me overcome this? Because listen, if you want a different result, the reason why a lot of times people can't overcome certain struggles is because they're doing the same thing over, over, and over, and over, and over. Why don't you try something different? Because your way is not working. My way, when I know my way is not working, I gotta do something different. Because this isn't working anymore. I've gotta try another opportunity, another door. I gotta make a door if I have to. I'm gonna make this happen because I know that the way I'm trying to do it is not working. So in order for me to get a different result, I need to do something different. And so this is what we have to look, look at. But I love what Jesus says in verse five. This man is forgiven because of why? Their faith. His friends had faith. And they say, and Jesus says, to, and basically the scripture points out, because of their faith, Jesus said, son, your sins are forgiven. So what did their faith have to do with this man being forgiven? Is it possible that your decisions and my decisions affect people's eternities? Absolutely. Is it possible that when we enter into a godly community, that there are doors of opportunity that will present itself that you didn't know right off the bat until you got involved in a small group, until you had people speaking into your life and all of a sudden doors of opportunity started to present itself and they weren't there before. Why? Because you didn't see it and God did. And he's wanting us to just be obedient, to be faithful. And sometimes what we try to do is we try to plan out the whole thing, how it's gonna go. And God is just simply telling you, take a next step. Stop trying to control the entire answer and solution just take the next step and then as you take the next step he reveals it the next one the next one the next one and then all afterwards you'll start to realize wow this issue is not really an issue anymore why because you started doing it God's way not your way God's way and this is what this man received he received forgiveness as a result of their faith it inspired this man to be open to Jesus Christ it inspired him to believe in God. And Jesus saw the bigger issue. But in order for this man to receive his healing, watch this, in order for this man to receive his healing, he had to put himself in a position where he would be responsible with the blessing. So many times people say, well, I'm in, I need this, I need that in my life. Have you put yourself in a position to receive the blessing that you're asking? That's what we have to ask ourselves. That's why I have to ask myself, God, you know, if I need you to provide for me, uh, financially, if I need uh, this happening, if I need to overcome this particular area of my life, if I need healing, if I need a miracle, God, have I put myself in a position for me to receive the miracle so that I don't destroy the blessing that you have already, that you want to give me? Because what good would it do for God to bless you and then you just mess it up again? Maybe we just need to shift certain areas of our life where we need to ask ourselves, have I put myself in a position for God to do a miracle? So that when I get the miracle, I realize that miracle is not just for me. It's a blessing, but it's a blessing that is supposed to be for me, but then flow through me to other people. It's not just for me. It's for other people too. Where I can be a blessing to others. Where I can encourage others. Where I can show people that when you want to quit, when you want to give up, you can 
you can have people in your life that say, don't quit, don't give up, keep moving. You know, so if you imagine these guys, you know, they're, they're thinking, wow, this is our moment. We've finally got our friend in front of Jesus. And, you know, Doug says to Wally, there's two jokes in there if you haven't figured it out. Either digging, Doug, okay. All right, moving on. Walls of the house, Wally, okay, got it. All right, Rufus, <laughs> okay, I gotta stop. All right, uh, I gotta stop. Um, so they're lowering their buddy in. We'll call him Matt, right, because he's on a mat. So Matt's on the, on, the, on the ground, and they're right in front of Jesus. Some of you are like, what is he talking about? Just ask your neighbor, they'll tell you. All right. Youth pastor mode happening. All right, so <coughs> Jesus sees the man. The buddies are looking inside, and they're saying, man, what's going to happen next? And Jesus says, son, your sins are forgiven. And they're looking at it going, uh, Wally, what did he say? I think he said his, sons, his sins are forgiven. Does he know? What about the legs? Like, what's going on with that? Well, well he's just talking about forgiveness of sins right now. I don't know if he's talking about legs. Like, does he not know what's going on? But listen, it doesn't take somebody to be a person of faith and have it all figured out. Because they didn't have it all figured out. They didn't know what was going to They just thought, I'm just here to get our buddy's, buddy's legs working again. But then Jesus does something even greater than what they thought they needed, what this man needed. Jesus, he, it not only heals him, but he's going to forgive him of his sins which is such an important thing for people. Listen, so many times people say, you're like the crowd. I want this from God. I want this from God. Are you serving the Lord Jesus? Because the greater importance is your salvation, not necessarily some kind of miracle that you're wanting from him. The greatest miracle of all is salvation. That's the greatest thing. Have you ever seen people's lives been radically changed? That speaks a lot more than anything else. And this is what Jesus is, is, is pointing to. The greater importance is people coming to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. The greater importance is what Paul says, if you confess with your mouth he is Lord and believe in your heart that he is risen from the dead, you will be saved. Because just because you can't see something that's not happening doesn't mean it's not happening. God is working behind the scenes. And we're going to look at this and how God does that. It says that when this man saw, when they saw uh, Jesus saw their faith, or the, Mark is writing this, the man is forgiven. And then it talks about the second door of opportunity is discovered through your critics. I love this one. Through your critics. It says this in verse 6 through 12. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things, which is easier? Say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone. They praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. And what is such an important thing to focus on right here? is that God is so powerful. Jesus is so powerful, and he's showing us this. He is so powerful, he can win imaginary arguments. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? Jesus is seeing what they're thinking, and they think, my mind is safe. He can't know what I'm thinking. He can't know when I'm conspiring. And Jesus says, I know exactly what you're thinking, and here I go. I'm going to make an argument with you, and you just realize, I read your thought. 
And then he, then he gives them two questions. Which is easier, to say his sins are forgiven or to get up and walk? I mean, he's literally reading their thoughts. And that would hopefully come to the point where it would lead a person to say, maybe God is real. Maybe this really is God. He's reading my thoughts. This is creepy, right? He knows exactly what I'm thinking. Jesus is showing us some amazing things here that is so powerful that, you know, there are times when I was even a child when uh, I would want to go see certain movies with my friends, right? And my parents would see what the movie was about, and I would tell them, oh, but so-and-so is going, so-and-so is going. They would sometimes see the movie, and they'd be like, I just don't think that's a good idea for you. And of course, I would try to justify my reasoning by arguing with them, thinking I was going to win that argument somehow. And, uh, you know, and saying, but you don't understand. And I would walk away from that situation, and I wouldn't verbalize my disapproval and certain things I wanted to say. Some of it I would filter, but I would put it in my brain, right? Because that's a safe place to put your criticism at because no one else can read it. And so I was very critical of my parents, but they didn't know how critical I was being. And, you know, and so I had that in my thoughts. And so then when I had to go explain to my buddies why I couldn't come, who do you think I blamed? My parents. Oh, God save me. Amen. So, so it, sometimes what happens is this, is that God knows the most critical people in your life, and you don't even know. God knows the most critical people in your life, and you have no idea that they are. Isn't that strange? Like, because there are times where you may receive that criticism, whatever. Now listen, let's, under, let's identify critics and haters. Listen, your boss and your supervisor is not a critic, is not a hater. No, you're showing up to work late. You need to be on time. I was expecting all my supervisors and bosses to praise the Lord and get up on their hands and feet and just start shouting, Jesus, uh, thank you. Um, yes, I thought of you. Thank you very much. Listen, your boss and your supervisor is not a hater or a critic if you're not doing your job, right? They're not a hater or a critic. They're telling you, get your act together. Be responsible, right? So let's identify what critics may do. A lot of times you don't even know they are. And what is Jesus, what is Jesus getting at here? He's telling us he can read every thought. He knows every conversation that goes on that you don't hear, and he is there to be your defender. Because Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah says this, no weapon formed against you will prosper. So when there are things that are being said about you that you don't know about, you can believe that God is there and he's telling the enemy, not, not, not necessarily those people, but the enemy of your soul, the devil, who will try to take that situation and totally just make that explode. You can believe God is there and he's saying, because they can't see it, doesn't mean I'm not defending them. I am defending them. No weapon formed against them will prosper. Because what I know about God is that when we live out his purposes, his plans for our life, he is going to defend us even when we don't even know we need it. He is defending. And the greatest critic of all is obviously the devil. When he tells you, you can't do something, this person can't be used in that way. God, you don't know what they're doing, how they're doing it. I mean, God, don't you see what they're doing? I mean, this is, this is so many things he tries to do to undermine you. Listen, the devil ain't playing games with you. He's not playing games. He will use every single thing possible. What I love about this person, this guy in the story, 
is that, you know, the crowd, you could call them critics because they wouldn't let him through. They know why he's there. I mean, come on. What do you, what do you think is going on? Like, if you're the crowd, you're just seeing it's like, dude, this is our time. Stop interrupting. We're, this is our time with Jesus. Stop interrupting us. And so then they had to go around. And then you have religious leaders who are criticizing this whole situation. And then you know what happens? I love what it says. The man picks up his mat and he walks out in full view of his critics. I think that pretty much speaks for itself. How about, how about my testimony overrules what you have to say? You can't say anything because my testimony overrules what is going on and what you're saying. Even if, you, I, even if I don't even know you're telling me this to my face because you have it in your thoughts. So what is even more interesting, more powerful, is that when this man came in, the mat had him, but now he has the mat in his arms. Love the imagery of Mark. The mat carried him in, but he carried the mat out. Those things that you struggle with, the things that you're trying to face in your life, it is not impossible to overcome. God, with, with God, all things are possible. You can overcome, but you've got to do it his way, and you've got to release control and learn that when it comes to acting out in faith, it may mean being vulnerable and sharing with people. If you're struggling with anger today, listen, if you get yourself into situations because you get so frustrated with people or you get so frustrated with your boss or whatever is going on at home, you get so frustrated and you lash out and you say things and you end up doing things you shouldn't be doing. Listen, the best way for you to release control is by re- being vulnerable with people and telling people, listen, I need help. I struggle. And I've said this to this person. I said that to that person. I shouldn't have said it. Can you please pray for me? What better way for you to release control of something that has a hold of your life than releasing it in a godly community sense where God is able to work in that kind of a situation rather than you just trying to overcome it for the hundredth time and you can't seem to overcome it. Because why? Because you're doing it your way and you think that you can overcome it by yourself. When this whole idea of living for God is not about living for yourself, it's about living for him and doing it his way, not your way. You're welcome. Thank you. Um, So there are times where, again, why we do these connect groups is simple. For people to feel, you know, like they belong, but also have the opportunities to share. And I'm not talking about just being on a ministry team, but I'm more so, what are the conversations like? Like, are you, are you having people speak into your life? Are people able to carry your burdens? Because they can't carry a burden they don't know about. It is important for you to say, you know, like, but you're just, that, that just sounds like I'm supposed to be weak. Well, in your weakness, his strength becomes perfect through that, right? That's what Paul says. Paul says, when it comes to my weaknesses, his strength becomes perfect. His power becomes perfect. So maybe we have to stop leading from areas of of strength and start leading from areas of weaknesses. That's what speaks to people. You know, but I, you don't understand. I'm I'm the man of the house. I can't be that way. Listen, you find four guys in this church. Do we have four guys in this church that say, I will be glad to pray for my, my brother in this house? Can I see four hands? There's four hands. I got more than four, so there you go. We have no excuses, right? We have four guys that are, that are more than four that would say, I'll do it. I'm, I'll be willing to pray for my brother. And I know I have ladies. How about you? Come on, let's go. Ladies are saying, yes, I will absolutely carry somebody's burden and help them and pray for them. Because you know what? Because those people have been through situations and they know what helped them get through. It wasn't their way or the highway. It was doing it God's way, God's way of community. And then they overcame. And now they're passionate about that because they know of the testimony that they have. 
as a result. And this is such a, a wonderful thing to know, but as I begin to close with this, I hope here this morning that, you know, when it comes to Jesus doing miracles, Jesus doing healings, if you read the Gospels, the majority of Jesus' miracles and healings took place as a result of an interruption. The flow of life you're in, maybe you do need an interruption. Maybe the struggle you're in, maybe you do need an interruption so that you can overcome it. Maybe it's time to stop just going with the flow and go the other way. Do it God's way. You know, and I, one of my all-time, you know, what I was, wanted to share real quickly, because I want to close and give people opportunities to um, sign up for our connect groups this morning. You know, my grandfather, his, his health hasn't been doing the best, and I was able to visit him back in November, and he's in a nursing home, and I was able to go visit my grandmother at her house. And uh, my grandfather was a pastor for many years, and uh, the church I grew up in, he was pastor of. I wasn't alive during that time when he was pastoring. By the time I was born, my dad was the pastor. And, uh, but, you know, I, so he had spoken, he had basically moved on to, to be the uh, work for the Assemblies of God headquarters and uh, was able to travel the world, preaching the gospel, helping people, um, just did amazing things. Spoke to massive crowds, spoke to small crowds. I got to see it a few times. And uh, I was, my grandmother at, my house, at her house, she gave me this box full of just his notes, personal thoughts on things. And she said, do you want these? And I said, oh, yeah. Like, I would love to see what he thinks because he's one of my heroes. I would love to know what was going through his mind about certain things. And then I started to read a lot of it. And then I got to this part where it says my favorite service. And I was like, oh, this is, this is going to be good. Like, man, he was preaching to maybe tens of thousands of people or something. You know, it was, one of the, it was one of the hardest moments in his ministry, the favorite service, where he was trying to, to say, God, we need something to happen in our church because we need more people to come to know you. And right now, nobody's coming to know you. And I, we need a miracle. We need a revival, in other words. And he said the, his favorite part happened. Two guys walked through the doors during the middle of a service, and they were drunk hippies. And they sat on the back row. And they started creating commotion. They started, you know, saying and doing things. And, and um, you know, they, they were being a little disruptive, but not to the point of where people had to call them out and stuff. But they were just making jokes, laughing. By the end of the service, those two guys gave their life to the Lord. And he said, after that moment, he saw the church community surround those two men like he has never seen before. And he said, people week after week started coming who were full of just issues and problems, being delivered, being saved, being healed, because God did something as a result of an interruption. And when people saw that even though that was an interruption, however, my God is greater than the interruption. And I'm going to deliver these two men from their problems that they were facing. My grandfather eventually resigned, moved to Missouri, and came back 10 years later. He met, you know, he started to, I started reading this story, and he said that, you know, he saw the guy, one of the drunk hippies, former drunk hippies, I should say, and uh, he had planted a church in the downtown area of that city, and he had started a church. Guess what his focus was on? Delivering, helping people overcome drug addictions, alcoholism, you name it. Because you know what? The mat had him, but now he had the mat. And that's how God works. And this is what was so amazing to me. It, and so reading this story, as I was reading, I was like, this is incredible. This guy's planted a church, and he got, guy had a family. And uh, one of his kids, you might know him, he's a pretty famous Christian artist. He travels the world 
using music as a way to minister to people through the love of Jesus Christ. But one of those drunk, the, the, one of those drunk hippies was Jeremy Camp's dad. And Jeremy Camp is, is, you know, was a son of this man and now is traveling the world using music as a way to reach people with the gospel. You just can't control the power of God when you let him do his thing. You can't control it. And if you're here today and you've been trying to control your life and you realize your life is just messed up, you need a savior more than anything. You need a savior first. Let's get the priorities straight. You need salvation. You need Jesus first because you have not given your life to Jesus. I encourage you today, do not walk out of this place without doing that. If you need healing, if you need you know, a miracle today, pursue with, with everything within you. Have people jump alongside of you and say, listen, I just need you to pray with me. We're gonna have our prayer teams up here in a moment. And uh, would you stand with me, church, uh, today? We're gonna close. And um, if our prayer teams can make their way forward, connect group leaders, just hold tight for just a second. Um, if you're here today, you know, we want to offer that opportunity for you to respond to salvation through Jesus Christ. And uh, we're going to dismiss in a moment. If you would like to give your life to Jesus, uh, we're going to dismiss in a moment. And as we're dismissing, if you want to make your way down to one of these people um, that you can just say, hey, I just, I just need prayer. I would like to receive Jesus. These people are going to walk through with you on that. It's a, it's a result of you being vulnerable, but I, I can tell you what, they're going to be so proud, we're going to be so proud of the decision you made. And it's going to be a decision that you'll be able to look back on and be so glad you did. Because we serve a God who can do the impossible. And if you're here today and you just maybe need to re-sign up for connect groups, things like that, we encourage you to do that. We encourage you to be a part of that. This is one of the, this is the ways that we think is best for you to enter into community. You know, I don't know what your expectations are of those. um, But you can certainly know that these people are going to love you. This is going to be a great opportunity for you to live life together and not alone. And so this morning as, you know, Connect Group leaders, if you can make your way over there, we're going to pray and uh, give people an opportunity. If you would like prayer, you can do that once we're done praying here. Or if you would like to go to the Connect Group tables, we encourage you to be a part of that. And uh, let's do it together. This is what this journey is all about. It's about doing life together, not alone. So let's pray. Would you bow your heads with me?